LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. All right, folks, let's test it. How does the mic sound today? Does the mic sound good? If the mic sounds good, we're ready to rock and roll. I am the Rogue Scholar. My name is Steve Grumbine. Welcome to the show, everybody. I tried to do this thing on Monday. Didn't work out so well. I'm going to do it again today. Please, the one request I have. I'm one of these weird dudes. My father used to send me these long emails. Sorry, Dad, I'm tattling on you, buddy. He'd send me these long emails, and they were all in caps. And my brain bled. It was too much. The, uh, the all caps. If something goes wrong on the stream, gently in lowercase, let me know. Hey, Steve, check your mic, please. Anyway, where I was going with this. Last time when I started, I was trying to tell you guys a story about where I grew up because it's very important to explain the way that this concept of bipartisan poverty shows its face in your everyday life. And I grew up in a place called Southern Maryland, <laughs> Southern being the key word there. But Southern Maryland was just outside the Beltway down towards Indian Head, Maryland, Waldorf, Maryland, et cetera. And folks, let me just tell you, I had no idea how conservative the area was. I really didn't. I really had no idea. Um, but there was a lot of people that I would have thought would have had different attitudes. But watching them respond to poverty, watching them respond to seeing a guy sleeping on the sidewalk, wrapped up in newspapers, trying to stay warm. It was terrifying because what they did was they said, oh no, we got to move out of the area. We got to leave. Whatever happened to our quaint small town? Whatever happened to our quaint small town? where Everybody knew everybody and so forth. I think back to when I grew up and I wasn't a happy camper. I did not like life in Southern Maryland. Um, but I had no idea what that would look like as an adult. And what it looks like as an adult is probably what it looks like across America. People don't understand economics, and they don't understand how the both parties play in the poverty. And so you've got these atrocious Republicans that are sitting there pointing at the poor. And you've got these atrocious vote blue sycophants that make excuses for Democrats that do all this means testing and act like, well, you should do this and act like they're the fiscally responsible party, not realizing that they are by extension advancing austerity. And so both parties, either by demonizing the poor with Republicans or by being incredibly incompetent when it comes to economics with the Democrats, both of them work together to create an environment that makes poverty a bitch slap to the people experiencing it. And you see it everywhere. 
listening to uh, sports talk radio. I think I was trying to talk about this as well. The sportscasters are my favorite radio station. Um, one Oh six, seven, the, uh, is it the fan? Is it the team? I don't know. No, it's a team nine eighty and the fan for a one Oh six point seven and the sports junkies. These guys cover my football teams. They cover my baseball teams. They cover my hockey team. So living in Pennsylvania, that's what I got. And the whole time, they're always talking about, well, you know, if we move the team from in Landover to RFK, there's a lot of crime to worry about in Washington, D.C. In fact, I was listening to a guy named Craig Hoffman who does the Hoffman show. That's like four to seven um, and on the team 980. And somebody called in and says, I don't think they should make the stadium in Washington, D.C. There's so much crime. They should put it in Loudoun County where all the money is, where all the rich people live. Just listening to this shit. And they're like, yeah, because, you know, nobody wants to get mugged on their way to a football game. Now, this is just sports. This is this is what everyday people do, folks, whether you like sports or not. This is what the world does. And so as I think to myself, the idea that poverty and that crime, they put the onus on the poor. They put the onus, both of them, Democrats, Republicans, regular people, they put it on the poor. They're bringing down the property value. When you look at the economy that has been built today and you understand that it took a long time to get where we are at this moment. Years of the pandemic, now years post-pseudo-pandemic, where they're literally trying to claw back all of the gains, what little gains people were able to garnish by staying stuck at home, by uh, living, you know, very, very insulated lives. You know, they're trying to, claw that back and that's why student debt coming up is a real issue because it's going to hit people really really hard and unfortunately because atrociously bad people will judge people's ability to pay debts as to whether or not they are a good person whether they are a viable person look at what they do to folks that can't pay child support for one reason or another. This is not to say that there aren't people that try to skirt this stuff, but I want you to understand that a family together, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, living together, girl and girl, boy and boy, whatever the fuck ever, everybody living together. When they're together, if somebody loses their job, they work together to find a way to survive. But when you're a non-custodial parent and you lose your job, it doesn't matter. You are required to make that payment. And if you don't make that payment, what do they call you? They call you a deadbeat. They call you a deadbeat. In particular, they call you a deadbeat dad because they don't ever focus on the non-custodial women. It's always dad-focused. But this is all part of a larger picture of demonizing people for not having money, for demonizing people for not being economically viable okay and when i read some facebook posts from friends from back home in southern maryland there was a picture at the local dash in 
of a guy laying on the ground under newspapers. And it was bad enough that my one friend had posted this stuff up like, oh, my God, what's happening to our town? Not like, oh, my God, how could we allow poverty? Why are we not spending on the people? Why are we not making them whole? It was like, oh, my God, I can't wait to get the fuck out of this place and move away because poor people. The stuff we talk about on this channel. Stuff we talk about on this channel isn't widely circulated. It's just not. And the beliefs that I have and share with our team and our team shares with me are not widely circulated. They're not widely reported. They're not widely discussed. Most people blame the poor for their condition. Most people blame poverty on the individual. Most people blame their predicaments on the individual. When in reality, when you understand the way the system works, the way the system operates, and you understand the effects of deficit reduction, you understand the effects of punitive, cruel, compounding interest on student debt. When you understand the inflation hits the bottom harder than anyone else, when you understand that wages not going up hurts families that are still working, but they just don't make enough. When you understand that people went to school for all the right reasons and there's no jobs waiting for them, is that their fault? Is that the individual's fault? Is it not the absolute responsibility of our government to create the conditions by which people thrive, not just some, not just investors, but all people. Neither political party even messages this type of stuff. The Republicans lead with their chin with this whole concept of economic freedom, which is just really saying freedom for the capitalist class to do whatever it wants to do. And really code for, hey, we don't want to pay taxes. Whatever, fair enough. But on the other side, the Democrats are full of shoulds, right? We should. It's morally wrong not to do this. We should. It's morally wrong. Why Healthcare should be a right. And the minute you get past the framing, healthcare should be a right. You ask them, well, what does that mean? They're going to come in there and they're going to say, I don't mind paying a little bit extra for people to have health care. They put it on themselves like the government isn't the creator of the money, like that they are personally responsible. And so people that don't feel personally responsible for other people say, fuck that. I don't want my tax dollars going to that. And so they get angry at the poor for being poor. They get angry at the people and they start scrutinizing every single thing that they do. Say, ah, see, you should have made better choices. They always punch down. And in a society that is dependent, period, all societies literally around the world are dependent on their governments create currency, spend it into existence, to create the conditions that allow for all people to do well. That's the way state money works. 
And because people don't accept and understand that, we don't start conversation with explaining how the monetary system works. We just start with the end product, which is a homeless person laying in front of a phone booth under newspapers. And there goes the neighborhood. You know, it's real easy to think about what could be. But when you realize that you are up against millions upon millions of people, even poor people that punch down at poor people, black people that punch down at black people, gay people that punch down at gay people, trans people that punch down at trans people, each step through this process, our class analysis allows us to blame the individual, to blame the, the worker, to blame the unemployed person, to blame the criminal for trying to survive. You know, when I think of crime, you know, I think of, you know, brutal crimes like murder and things like that. I don't really think about stealing. I don't really think about speeding in a car per se. I typically think about murder. And then I gauge whether or not that murder was necessary or whether it was somehow or another brought on by uh, an accident or some condition that made somebody feel like they had no choice or, or whatever. I don't just jump to the conclusion that bad person, bad person. I do do that, though, however, with people that judge the poor. I do do that with people that don't understand economics that punch back. I do judge. I can't help it. I try not to, but I do. I do judge people that don't take the economics seriously. I admit it. Because it is the cornerstone of everything. You know, the costs of healthcare are through the roof. I have a growth in my neck. You can't see it right now, but it's big. It's probably about the size of two golf balls in my neck. It goes up into my ear, under my jaw, and it, it, it hurts. You know, I turn my head, it, it makes it challenging. Problem is the cost just to get the MRI done, which is what they would require to even do the surgery, out of pocket is another $1,000. I already did it once at $750. I didn't have the money to follow through to do the other part, so I just sat on it. Now they tell me that I would need to go back and I would need to have another MRI and the cost out of pocket would be a thousand bucks. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So what do I do? I don't do the thing. I don't go for the service. I don't get my health taken care of. Now, millions of people are doing exactly the same thing. They're making that choice. And it's all about the constriction on the economy. It's all about realizing they don't have two nickels to rub together or they don't have the ability to absorb that. Across the board, people do things that you just wouldn't believe to survive. They ignore pain. They ignore all kinds of really important maintenance, health maintenance, home maintenance, car maintenance you name it, just to survive. And then when the neck breaks or the car breaks or the some part of the home breaks, they don't have enough money. They have no way of fixing it. 
this is the real world that I'm describing. However, the other side of that world is that people genuinely look and they don't want to get mugged. They don't want to get killed. They don't want to be, you know, lied to and stolen from, etc. They're afraid of poor people because they know poor people are desperate. So they're afraid of watching a homeless person laying on the sidewalk. So because they don't understand how poverty is created. They don't understand how the government is complicit. They don't understand how it's a feature, not a bug of capitalism. And it goes up and down depending upon what kind of discipline they're trying to do to society. They being the government mixed with their capitalist handlers. Okay. This concept it's almost too hard for people to get their head wrapped around. I don't know why. It's very straightforward to me. But it's very, very hard. And they get wrapped up in the acts. I mean, people, hey, we're going to vote for Cornell. Hey, we're going to vote for Marianne. Hey, we're going to vote for RFK. Hey, we're going to do the Biden shit again, whatever. People think somebody's going to save them with these votes. When they don't fundamentally understand that most of the people that are in there that have been in there understand their role, and that's to protect capital, and they do. The other side of that, and this is maybe even more terrifying, is that the good people, friends, people that you think you know, would do great in office, run for office, and then they find out that the system isn't really built to empower them to be able to make the changes that they said in the campaign trail that they would want to do. And then they end up hiding because they've got no power. They've got no power. So they go in the back and they hide and they stop being front facing. They stop uh, being the people that you fell in love with. I'm going to tell you, lay it out straight for you. In the end, in the very end, when you look at the Wall Street people, the people that are all about investment, they don't even see five feet below their nose. They're living in rarefied air. They do not appreciate the fact that the government is destroying these people. They do not appreciate the fact that their fellow countrymen and women see them as the problem. They do not understand any of this stuff. And somehow or another, they're able to float up here and just act as if, and it's almost like stepping over the, the dying on the ground. They just keep moving. And then they start simping for capitalism. What else would you do? What else? Stalin everywhere. Communism's ever been in Stalin, blah, blah, blah. Some trash, Sig Heil, Reichwing bullshit, okay? But the fact of the matter is, is that without putting an ism to any of this, if you understand that the federal government is the currency issuer, that it doesn't fucking go to private banks and beg on one knee, please, sir, give us some money, sir. The government is the creator of the dollar. It literally made the Fed and its banks, its agents. It wrote them into law, created a law to create them to serve in this role. Okay. When you understand that the government is responsible 
for the general welfare of society. The general welfare, not welfare, like only people that are hurting get stuff. The general welfare of all. Do you understand that? And then you see someone laying there on the floor, on the sidewalk, dying or sick or homeless. You should fucking have a brain enough to know it ain't their fucking fault. Even if they made a hundred mistakes, even if they were unwise with their money, the system is set up. Folks, all you have to do is do a Google search on hats. Put the word hat into a Google search. Then open up Facebook and you'll watch every ad that shows up in Facebook. will have a picture of a hat. There'll be some hat for sale. You put in shed. All of a sudden, everything you got will have another click to an ad to a purchase, a single click purchase that someone on impulse buy can buy right then, right there. There's no more taking cash and opening up your wallet and go one, two, three. Oh, shit. I only have $7. I can't buy this. There's only point and click. And UPS brings it to your front door. FedEx brings it to your front door. Okay? The world has changed dramatically. But people are very much the same. People don't take the time to understand how things come to be. They just see the end result. And then without any kind of class consciousness, without any kind of class analysis, without any understanding of the economic system, they simply blame the poor person laying there. That's it. That's what they do. They blame the poor person laying there. You know, when I watch the Democrats consistently sell out before they even get to bargaining with the other side, something doesn't compute for me, right? Something doesn't compute for me because, you know, first rule of negotiating is start with your most like FU level. You don't start in the middle. You start with your biggest demand, the most extra, just extravagant demand. And then you negotiate your way back. But you don't start from the middle and then negotiate yourself right. You don't end up doing this if you're serious about making change. The Democrats always start from the center. As part of this game, if you know anything about socialism, social democracy, anything like that, you know Joe Biden doesn't have a single socialist bone in his body. Joe Biden is a Republican. He's a Reagan Republican. Okay? Joe Biden is a literal Reagan Republican. But as long as Republicans are able to tell each other that Joe Biden is a socialist, they're able to make even the most mundane things seem like a hill worth dying on to fight against, to block, okay? Joe Biden may be the most feckless president we have ever experienced in our lifetimes. And the bipartisan fuckery of not addressing poverty, not addressing 
the very needs of the people, not addressing. You know, I heard a guy, I was on show with Jordan Sheraton last night on Status Quo. If you didn't, uh, if you didn't see it, go check out Status Quo and check out our, um, our show we did last night. And Jordan tried to tee it up because he knew I'd be pissed. And he played this investor asshole that was talking about people, you know, people must just like to bitch. The economy's great. What are they complaining about? And this is CNN, by the way. This isn't Fox News. This is CNN. And they're busy doing their Biden apologia, okay? But it's really a bourgeois. It's really a investor-grade, retrograde, shit-fuck perspective. It's the portfolio holder perspective. What are these people bitching about? You know, the amount of stagnant, sterile, self-congratulatory bullshit that wealthy people do, their inability to understand that the wages for jobs haven't kept up with inflation. Not only haven't wages kept up, but for all the years of austerity that they've imposed on us, we're way behind all the maintenance that I started this conversation off with. Dental, housing, vehicles, transportation, whatever. Children, health problems, all the above. Care for a dying relative. Care for an elderly relative. Care for a small child. All of this stuff, the price has gone up. The pain has gone up. The wages have not. And for those people that were born on the right side of the equation, they don't get it. And it comes back, may seem sterile as hell, but it comes back to not understanding economics, not understanding that the federal government is the creator of the dollar. See, they use these private federal reserve things as a way of trying to elevate the private sector above the nation state, above the lawmaker, above the rule of law. But as an MMTer, you know that currency is a creature of law and that MMT describes law and currency. And when you understand that you stop elevating the banks, you stop pretending they are king, and you start realizing they've been allowed to run loose because our government is complicit in allowing them to. Because if you have a class analysis, you understand that the reason this entire system of government was created to begin with was to protect a bunch of wealthy landowning fucks from England from paying tithes back to the crown. Economic freedom wasn't for you and I. It never was for you and I. It was always for the wealthy moneyed landowners. Voting was always intended to be for the wealthy moneyed landowners. And the freedom they were talking about wasn't freedom from just the crown. It was also freedom to own slaves. Freedom to them was very different than freedom for us. And as they ended chattel slavery, 
I talked about this many times. They put in vagrancy requirements. Like if, if you're caught after, during reconstruction, if you were a black person, a freedman, and you didn't have a job and you were caught walking around vagrant, you would be arrested and put in jail where you would work for the state as a slave. She couldn't be for the slave owner. You were now working for the state. We have allowed history to be so watered down and ignored that we don't know where we came from, so we don't know where we're going. We just know we're angry or we're pissed or we, we check out and we don't recognize why poverty exists. And poverty exists because within a capitalist state, they create the prison industrial complex. Well, the prison industrial complex needs to turn a profit. They created the drug surveillance, drug testing, drug war as a, not a protection for people. It's a fucking multi-billion dollar industry. Okay? This is why legalization of marijuana is taking so long because they want to ensure that the capitalists get to profit off of this before they let people off the hook because once you start taking people out of the system for a drug war that should have never been, you're impacting the bottom line the prison industrial complex. And once you start in that line, you start realizing this is why the police are ramped up and jacked up and thugged out. They're there to ensure that capital is able to do its thing. Okay? It's a big maze, but ultimately it isn't that little fucker, that little poor person laying on the ground with newspapers on them. It's definitely not the person who's on food stamps walking through the line that got a can of crab meat and some jackass is standing over their shoulder saying, oh, you're on your EBT and getting crab meat? Oh, my. Oh, your clothes look nice. Why are you on EBT? The perversion of so many in this country because they don't want to be that person down there. So in order to ensure that they don't feel like that person down there, to block out the idea that they're one business decision away from being that person down there, they want to make sure that person stays down there and doesn't take their hard-earned tax dollars. So this hard-earned tax dollars thing plays into this concept that the Republicans and Democrats, through different messaging, way on people. Look at Nina Turner. Nina Turner is constantly talking about our tax dollars should this, our tax dollars should that. She won't engage with anyone that explains economics to her. She just moves right along as if you weren't even saying a word. Same with Ro Khanna. Now, Ro Khanna will sometimes say, oh, I've read Stephanie's book. but they all preach the same austerity message just differently. People are going to think that they're doing some great deal by going out there and hyping up a candidate. 
That candidate's going to come and go like a fart in the wind. We have got millions of people that blame the poor for being poor. We got millions upon millions of people that believe that student debtors owe everything they have. They shouldn't have got the degrees. They weren't going to be able to pay it off. They knew what they were getting into. Let me tell you something. From guys like myself, I have my principal of my student loans is $87,000. Because I had lost my job several times during the global financial crisis, and even one more time in 2018, the interest, the compounding interest on my $87,000 student loan have me at $123,000 in student debt. Okay. 50,000 more that will continue to compound additional interest. Right. And those loan, those payments are about to kick in in October. I want you to consider what I'm saying. This society is built to chew us up because capitalism needs people desperate. In order for people that are doing okay to feel good about themselves, they need to see somebody beneath them struggle and say, thank God I'm not them. But worse, and this might be this might be really a tough one for people to handle. There are people that are doing really well that will do a day's volunteer work in the community garden. I've done my part. It's really almost like a hobby, and it makes them feel superior, like I've given back to the little people. You know, we need benevolent people. We do. We absolutely do. But charity is a lie. Charity is a case study of government ineffectiveness. And charity is intended to be seen as this noble thing. So as government peels back and cuts spending, you see nonprofits progressives even, pop up all over the place to do what our federal government should have been doing from day one, the general welfare of the people. And so you get the nonprofit industrial complex because everything's an industrial complex. You know, I think Real Progressives brings in a total of 1500 a month plus maybe, you know, bonuses for birthday fundraisers and uh, different things. A little bit of ad revenue because we don't get very many views on the YouTube channel. So we, we don't bring in a lot, and we have a lot of expenses, you know, for just a small operation. The platforms we have, the website, maintenance, all the other shit costs money. You see these major, huge nonprofits bringing in huge money to do what the government was intended to do to begin with. To do what the government was supposed to do to begin with. 
we have got to help people understand that the government is the creator of the dollar. You gotta explain this to people. You must explain to people that the government spends enough money into the economy to keep it going. And that allows banks to fill in what it doesn't do through debt. That's slavery. So if you think about this, you elect a government in theory anyway, because you know my belief on that. And when that government purposefully doesn't meet those needs, it's intending to create markets that will serve us. And so the federal government then spends to those rich people. And then those rich people who are unelected, who do not represent the people, gets to decide how that money is spent, just like a football team or a baseball team that has a salary cap. There's only so much money, and they, these CEOs, these major companies like Halliburton, BlackRock, et cetera, these folks, they're the ones that get to decide how money is distributed through the economy, not the elective elected representatives, corporations do. And so unless we put the power back in public, unless we refocus what we're fighting for instead of getting wrapped up in the next fucking election cycle, Jesus Christ, grow up, Peter Pan, Calchocula. Unless we're busy changing that dynamic, everyone will stay with the paradigm in which they exist in today. And that is that you didn't do the right thing, that you didn't pull yourself up by your bootstraps, that you, you fucked up, you shouldn't have done drugs, you shouldn't have spent all your money unwisely, you shouldn't have done blah, 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 blah. You shouldn't have gotten that degree. You shouldn't have. It's always, you shouldn't. And you could just see the finger pointing at you, poking you in the head, yelling at you, scowling at you judging you, making you feel like a pile of shit. We have got to change the way people think about how money gets in. We've got to stop the bullshit with the Rothschilds and the, the private federal reserve. You spend hours, days, weeks fucking talking to dumb fucks about the Rothschilds and the Private Federal Reserve and government's in debt, blah, blah, blah. Never do we get to the point where we talk about how to save the fucking person laying in the street. Never do we get to the point where we understand that the money is a public utility. The dollar is nothing but a public monopoly, a public utility meant to serve the public. And because people get scatterbrained and flutting around this, oh, I love you, so-and-so. Oh, my God, you're covering the next topic of the day. Oh, I love you. Instead of staying fucking focused, because think about this. If the things I'm talking to you about with economics were what the name of the game was, there wouldn't be any hand-wringing about Flint, Michigan not having water, would there? 
that story would have been dead letter. It would have been done. That would have been so three years ago. You would never hear about it. Why? Because it'd be taken care of. The same thing with East Palestine. It wouldn't be any, we'll just give these poor people Medicare for all because they deserve it because after all, whatever. We would just fucking, the federal government, just do what it's supposed to do and take care of the general welfare. It would reclaim all those houses that are being squatted on and provide housing for free to every homeless person, every unhomed person in society. There would be a job guarantee for every immigrant that wanted to come to this country. We would not sit there and hate our neighbors because we wouldn't be blaming them for stealing our food, for stealing our women, for stealing our jobs, for stealing, stealing, whatever. For forcing us to have to choose between press one for English and press two for Spanish, for fuck's sake. Poverty is a political choice, and it's a choice that both parties have made. It's a choice that they have both made. And I, I, you know what, for real, I'm not even joking. When somebody comes to me saying, oh, my God, you got to vote blue no matter who or something like that, I literally want to jump off the top rope and, and just, like, fucking just steal them, just rock their world. Because they won't address the things that I've been talking about in this podcast, this show. They refuse to accept that deficit reduction is the equivalent of austerity, and austerity is murder. You know, one of the hardest things for people to get is the the way that the tiers of money work. Federal government is the creator of the currency at the top. It spends money, that money becomes your paycheck, you pay taxes, that becomes the state's income now. Now the state is getting your its income from transactions that were made possible by the government creating markets at the top. States are currency users and some fuck stick out that will try and tell me we should do healthcare at the state level, not understanding economics because bad people, I don't know. Remember I told you I have zero tolerance for the lack of willingness to learn the economics you don't get to just be a bumbling buffoon bumping into walls saying i didn't know that the information's there it's a it's an act that you must embrace or you fail we fail because sadly we're responsible we're dealing with you not contributing to that cause by learning so you can be effective in helping us not just us but everybody right like we all need to redirect this conversation so that people understand Federal government spends it into existence. It becomes our paychecks. Our paychecks are taxed. It becomes the state government's budgets. It trickles down to municipal governments. And when the federal government cuts spending, guess what happens to state revenues? Doesn't take much to figure this one out, does it? And what happens at local municipal ones? Oh, but we're going to talk about all these great programs at the federal or at the state level. We're going to talk about at the municipal level. But we don't understand that if the government 
reduces deficits and we've got this big bloated program at the state level that we're not going to be able to have money to do it. We're going to go bankrupt and the Republicans will be there. CCC socialism doesn't work. I mean, the people that gave life to state by state stuff make me crazy. Not, not, in a bad way for some of them because they just don't know any better. But there are people that do know better and they still fed that fucking dog. They still fed that fucking dog. And as a result, society's just as dumb as it was before. Still doesn't fucking understand that the federal government is the creator of the currency. And so those poor people laying at the on the sidewalk under a bridge, living in a home, fucking nice home even, but unable to make their bills and getting ready to get foreclosed on, okay? When the jobs dry up, well, you stupid son of a bitch, you should have gotten a job, right? Guess what? What happens to jobs? Let's go through this exercise again. Federal government spends money into existence. They spend it into companies by contracts. And when they spend those contracts, they should create jobs. Federal government could mandate that X number of jobs be created when we spend this money to you. But companies reply back with their RFP request for proposal the government puts out. Companies reply to those RFPs. And they say, hey, we'd like to do this work and here's the bid. Lowest bid wins, they get the job. That's where the government spends the money in. It's the federal government and the people's paychecks as they get stepped on by rich people gouging from it, the owners of those companies stealing from it, not passing it on to workers, workers' paychecks become the state budgets once again and municipal budgets once again. And when the federal government cuts it off, the state budget dries up, the local budget dries up. Your budget dries up. And that's when we get recessions. You want to look something up? Look up the term sectoral balances. It's a measure of public spending, of private debt, and rest of world debt. The balance of payments, import, export, and demand leakages savings did you know when people save money it actually hurts the economy helps you because you're surviving for a rainy day but it hurts the economy isn't that weird it's called a demand leakage it's called a demand leakage anyway people too cool for this shit though they're just way too cool more important things to do i gotta i gotta tell you about my lord and savior cornell west don't you know i gotta tell you about my lord and savior joe biden don't you know I can tell you about my Lord and Savior, Marianne Williamson, don't you know? I can tell you about my Lord and Savior, Bernard Sanders, or AOC for president. Let's draft AOC. I got to tell you about my Lord and Savior, AOC. Same people wouldn't have a clue about any of what I just talked about. Federal government spends it into existence. States tax your paycheck. That's their income. Municipal governments tax, same thing. Police departments, fines, fees, and penalties on the poor for whatever. In the end, in the end, not having an answer 
for how this shit works is as much as a bullet to the head for the poor as any Republican in office would be, any war we go to, you name it. The fundamental lack of understanding of what I've just said allows people to put all the pressure on the poor, all the pressure on the individual, all the pressure on families, all the pressure on job seekers who have no ability to hire themselves. Unless, of course, they've got special skills where they're suddenly able to get their EIN number, get their business license, suddenly produce some massive thing that creates enough money and has enough marketing skills to provide for their family. And some people can do that. Many cannot. Many cannot. I don't want to hear about your voting. I don't want to, I don't want to fucking hear another word from anyone about, but you've got to source the vote. You do all you can. You vote, you do whatever. I don't care. I want to fucking hear people telling each other about this stuff so that when they do vote, they're not voting for some dipshit celebrating deficit reduction. The person celebrating deficit reduction is a murderer by proxy. How you like them apples? That probably fucking sucks, doesn't it, to be called a murderer? But if you celebrate deficit reduction, you are in effect celebrating austerity and austerity is murder. And if you voted for the people that do austerity, you have had a hand in murder too. So it's your job to unfuck the Republic by teaching each other, learning this shit and being part of a movement that changes that dynamic. I'm telling you what, when, when this fucking debt tsunami from the student debt hits. You cannot write off student debt. You can't. And when you're 270 days late and you go into default and they turn you into the credit agencies and everything, you can't even get a job now. They'll prevent you from even getting work because you'll show up as a bad credit risk and until they make that illegal, your credit blocks you from getting employment. Did you know that? Now, I want to tell you something that I missed the other day that I should have not missed. And it's my fault for not saying it. Did you know that Wall Street actually, and it's been going on for a long time. Let me see if I can share my screen real quickly. We're going to end on this as soon as I can get to it. This is going to gross you out, I promise you. Full, full disclosure, I totally promise you, you are going to be so disgusted when you see this. And I really, really believe you should be disgusted by it too. So here we go. The pain of realizing this was just too much for me. Just too much, literally too much for me. 
freaking thing needs to go away. I wish I could figure out how to make that go away, but I'm not. Oh, there we go. Thank God it's gone. How Wall Street profits from student debt. One person's debt is another person's asset. And this is by Raul Carrillo from, look at that, April 14th, 2016. It's a perverse policy. Bankers are pampered because student debtors are hounded and pounded. To help borrowers, the federal government should facilitate bankruptcy reform and expand federal relief programs. We have deeper problems. Lenders, servicers, collectors, and investors prosper while students suffer because schools increasingly rely on private tuition rather than public funding. The Higher Education Act, which governs the administration of many federal student aid programs, has expired. This is old stuff here. This is the thing right here. Private slabs. It's not just private anymore, by the way, but these private slabs, peace labs, it is literally creating what they did during the mortgage crisis. And basically they turn these things into investment things that people can buy. I mean, it's unbelievable. But here's the thing. Why would they do that? Why would they get rid of slabs? Why would they get rid of, you know, these student loan securities that people can buy? Why would they do that? People are making money hand and fist over the misery. And you know what? I know a bunch of trash investors that keep silent on this stuff. You don't say anything about it. But people are profiting off the pain and suffering of student debtors. So people are profiting off of the private industrial or uh, prison complex. People are profiting off the war on drugs. People are profiting off of all these things that create poverty and create slaves, create debt slaves. Until we stop, until we stop jumping from subject to subject, chasing likes and clicks, until we focus and stop giving ourselves an excuse for not doing it. This is where we can punch ourselves. We don't have the right to stop fighting for this. We don't have the right to get distracted. We don't have the right to focus on bullshit all over the place. Because if you're a healthcare advocate, this is key. If you're a student debt advocate, this is key. If you're a Green New Deal activist, this is key. If you're a housing for all activist, this is key. Every step along the way, the macroeconomics are the key. You don't have the right. If you do it, just know that I look down my nose at you, period. If you get distracted and you go off and you start chasing butterflies and rainbows and waterfalls, I judge you. I do. I judge you for that. I judge you for getting off of the point. I can't help it. I try not to, but I do. Because I know people are going to die because we can't build critical mass. And I hate that. I hate that I can't, personally, personally can't, 
make everyone stay focused and organized around this. I hate that there are people out there fighting about whether it's better to have Biden or Trump. I hate that people do this shit. I hate this. There's not much I can do other than just be angry. So I'm trying through this podcast and other means to get the word out. Every single thing you want in this life and the needs of the folks that are in poverty today and the future poverty, the future folks that'll be in jail for trying to survive and the future of the children that will be parentless when their parents hang themselves because they can't provide. All that, really hoping somehow or another you can find it within you to stay focused. I'm hoping that these podcasts will help pull that off. I don't know if I'm right. I I know I'm right about what I'm saying. I don't know if I'm right that this is a way of getting it out there. But all I can do is say, how can you, if you know, you understand the economics, you understand how this is done, how can you find interest in other things when people are going to die because you got distracted? How can you do that? I don't know. But I'm here to tell you that without a class analysis and understanding the the motivations of the government and their handlers within the capitalist society are not to make society better. They're not doing this stuff by accident. They're not just feckless and stupid. They're brilliant and they're evil. And this is not by accident. This is the belief system that some are just born to to win and others, makers and takers, Ayn Rand, libertarian-minded bullshit should win. It's up to us to change that. It's up to us to change that. Anyway, I'm Steve Grumbine. I am the Rogue Scholar, and I am out of here. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org.